good evening, everyone, and welcome to the final edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com. As we sit back and for the last time of the 2021 baseball season, we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And to do that, we bring in Blake Watson, our Reds expert. Blake, i got to ask you your opinion. First of all, do you think... Uh, I should say that this is basically the last edition of this show since the Indians will be changing their name to the Guardians next year. It's surely the last uh, edition of this show in, in its current structure, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but it is the uh, final episode this year because neither the Reds or the Indians made the playoffs. Matter of fact, this is a stat that I didn't really even realize uh, towards the end of the year, Blake, this is the first losing season. The Indians ended up 80-82. and 82. It's the first losing season they have had under Terry Francona and since the 2012 season. I, I found that to be rather a, a fascinating stat on the Indians' part. Without a doubt. I mean, for, for an organization that's kind of, you know, just like the Reds, considered a mid to small market, Organization, the, the the length of the just consistent play that they've had and consistently been able to succeed um, is definitely a uh, a high mark for for smaller market teams for sure. It's something that smaller market teams should be shooting for, and it's a compliment to even though they're not the best run organization, it's a compliment to Terry Francona and that organization for sure. Blake, I want to ask you, there's five questions that I want to bring up here this afternoon or tonight on the show uh, about both clubs, and um, I want to get your opinion on this one. There are rumors around right now that the Indians' front office, their ownership, the Dolans, have said that they are going to spend some money this winter on some free agent talent. And one of the players that they have their eye on is... New York Mets right fielder Michael Conforto. What do you know about Conforto, and is he the type of player the Indians need? Absolutely. I think that uh, I really like Michael Conforto. Um, I, I was just looking at a few minutes ago um, free agents for this upcoming year, and he's one of the guys that I actually earmarked that I would love for the Reds to go after if they can't bring back Astianos. Um Just uh, a guy that has added to that lineup is a solid, you know, Middle, not really a middle of the order bat, but he could hit second or fifth on a on a solid baseball team, maybe six, like on a, on a good team. Um, definitely a guy that would help their offensive output next year for sure. All right, so let I've got five questions here that I want to go over. Uh, that was the first one. The second one, you, you've kind of led into it. Castellanos had an outstanding year, just a great year for the Reds. Um, he's always been. Uh, one of those tweeners, one of those guys that has been on the verge of making some big money, uh, but he's really towards the lower echelon of those guys on that verge. But this year seemed to break through. In your opinion, is he has he taken a step towards being that type of a ball player, or was it just the scenery that he had this year, meaning Great American Ballpark? I think he's definitely taking a step. I know I think playing at Great American Ballpark has definitely helped his home run totals. Um, 
But I think that this version of Nick Castellanos you're seeing right now really started when he, he was traded from the Tigers to the Cubs. Um, and he showed – that guy's got monster gap-to-gap power. He's a legitimate – he's one of the highest uh, highest percentage of line drive hitters in all of baseball. Um He's a throwback kind of guy too. He's not he's not a, a, a three true outcome guy. He's a doubles machine. Um, the biggest thing for Castellanos is he's still sort of a liability in the field. Doesn't really have a true position. Um, you have to play him in a corner outfield spot just because he can't really play anywhere else. But offensively, I think he's definitely made the jump to be one of the top. You know group of players in baseball. If you look at this free agent class, I think he's definitely one of the names that is going to be most coveted or should be from an offensive standpoint. Um, right-handed power back to hit 40 doubles a year just don't grow on trees anymore. Um, and, and, you know, he was top two or three in the National League in, in hitting, too. So, um, Nick Cacchianos has turned himself into a phenomenal offensive player. I think he definitely is going to command bigger money. Now, I don't know how big that money is going to be. He was guaranteed 16.5 from the Reds next year. Um, he has obviously hasn't officially opted out yet, but we all expect him to. I don't know how much more than that he's going to get. Uh, my guess is that it'll just be longer term with more security um, and maybe around the 20 to $22 million a year range. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, like, like a trout or somebody like that that's going to get $40 million a year. Um, I think he's definitely going to get a little more, but I don't think he's going to jump into the the upper, upper echelon as far as the, the, the money that he makes. Yeah, I, I know we haven't had a lot, of, a lot of time to digest this, but just off the top of your head, what teams do you think would be able to not only afford a Castellanos, but also be able to bring him into their lineup? Um, I... You know, I think the Angels are always a, a play for any free agent offensive players because they've always got to get better um, because they've got so much top-end top talent. The middle to bottom end of their roster is really bad. So if you can bring the Castellanos to that team and, and add some protection in the lineup for Trout and Rondone, and that could be a scary offensive team with Shohei Otani as well. Um, there's a lot of talk about Miami. Um, you know, pony enough to try to get a guy like Castellanos to be a hometown kid. Um, I don't see that because I see as much as Nick Castellanos wants to make as much money as he can. He played for a really bad organization for most of his career, and he's not going to go back to a place where he doesn't think he can win. Um, so I see, you know, I don't really see Miami as a fit. I think, you know, with the way they're spending money, the Mets are always a fit for any top end player. Um, I, I, you know, I could see him in Boston. I could see him. There's a lot of places I could see Nick Castellanos. There are a whole lot of teams out there that, that could use a Nick Castellanos. I, you know, maybe they don't really typically spend like that in free agents, but maybe it's a, it's a, you know, a Giants or somebody like that. Um, obviously my hope is that he remains a Cincinnati Red. He seems to have really enjoyed his time in Cincinnati. Um, he did an interview with Jim Day after the game yesterday that said, you know, this is the most fun year he's ever had in baseball, um, which is fantastic. And part of that is because of his personal success. Um, but part of that is because they were competitive most of the year and they, they had a chance to be a good baseball team. Um, so I think he's definitely going to look for a spot to succeed personally and as part of a team that has a chance to play in postseason. 
Question number two has to go to the Indians right now, and the one chip that they have that they could deal away to really bring in some talent that this organization needs is a Jose Ramirez. 36 homers, 103 RBIs on the season, uh, plays an excellent third base. He's the type of guy that uh, could really step into a situation and help a winning ball club like an Angels team since they don't know what's going to happen with Rondon there. But in my opinion, I don't want to see the Indians trade this guy. He's under contract for another two years. He says he wants to stay in Cleveland. He'll give them the hometown discount. He's the type of type of guy, Blake, that um, when he settles down, when he gets his roots, that's where he stays. He doesn't speak English. Uh, he speaks only Spanish. They have to have an interpreter uh, when they interview him, and, and he gets along extremely well with his teammates. He gets along great with Terry Francona and the Indians organization. I don't want to see the Indians trade him. I don't think they will. But in your mind, looking at it from the outside in, what do you think? I don't think they should, and I don't think they will. Um, I think Ramirez is a guy they don't have enough of. He's a legitimate professional big league hitter. Um, And they need more of those guys. You don't get better by trading that guy. Um, Because you're probably going to add back prospects, not major league ready talent. And the Indians with that pitching staff are close, so they, they, you know what I mean. They can, they can compete next year. Uh, I would, I would add, not subtract by by dropping Jose Ramirez for sure. Well, the Indians finished with a record of eighty and eighty-two. Uh, they finished in second place in the Central Division, thirteen games behind the White Sox. The Reds, on the other hand, finished with a record of eighty-three and seventy-nine. In their central division, they finished 12 games behind Milwaukee. Now, the way each team sits right now, who has the brighter future for next year, the Reds or the Indians? I think you'd have to say it's Cleveland based on the pitching staff. Um, I think from a position player standpoint, it's still the Reds. I think you look at the youth that they have, they have the likely National League Rookie of the Year. Um, they've got most of their pitching under control for next year, but it's just not as young and doesn't have as much upside as what the Indians have. Um, I think you definitely have to say the Indians because I think it's harder to find, you know, top end pitching than it is to find offense. So I think, you know, you go into next year with the rotation they could possibly have. Um, you know, you, you add a couple of legitimate pieces to that team, then I think they're, they're competitive again next year. And I just don't think, I think the other thing is the division's just not as good. Um, I think Detroit will continue to grow, but I think the National League Central is definitely a better division than the than the American League Central, and that makes it harder to win going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think the uh, American League Central has three teams that could possibly win next year in the White Sox, Cleveland, and Detroit, while the National League Central has four teams that could win that division when you're looking at Milwaukee and uh, St. Louis. Uh-huh. Cincinnati uh, in that division, um, along with the, I don't know if you could say the Cubs could win it, but it all depends, you know, the Cubs are kind of a wild card, Blake, I'm going to break off these five questions, but the Cubs are kind of a wild card in this, because you don't know what they're going to do, you know they got a ton of money, but you don't know if they're going to spend it all in this off season. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think if they do spend it all in one off season, it's a, it's a big mistake, Um 
they, they they ripped it down. They tore the house down to its studs, and they need to rebuild it slowly. They if they rush and try to rebuild it too quickly and just do a quick flip job, they're going to end up with contracts like Jason Hayward all over the place. Um, contracts that they can't get rid of for players that just aren't good enough to to play anymore. Um, so I, I you know I think the Cubs will still be relatively competitive. Um, it's a relatively well-run organization, um, and they've still got some pieces. But no, it's, it, it, they're definitely a step below the other three. And I think you have to consider what the what the Reds are potentially losing. They they're going to take a step back too. And you have to think at some point St. Louis is going to take a step back, which they did for most of this year until that you know 17 game winning streak. Um, because you know how long can Wayne Wright, Yadi, or Molina continue to be the the, the alpha dogs on that team? Um, they did get good news with Arenado deciding not to opt out. Um, he has already said he's going to come back to St. Louis. So you go into next year with Arenado and Goldschmidt, you still got a shot. But I think you have to expect them to continue to take small steps back when they lose that old guard. Yeah, I, I would tend to – that that was really good news for Cardinal fans when Arenado decided to uh, stay there, re-up, and uh, not opt out of his contract. But, you know, the, the one, one of the five questions I want to ask you is, now, I can't remember if it's tomorrow or Wednesday, but St. Louis plays the Dodgers in the wild card game. Dodgers won 106 games, finished two games behind the Giants in the Western Division. St. Louis, as you said, 17 game winning streak. They finished 18 games above 500. If the Cardinals beat the Dodgers tomorrow, is it really an upset the way they've been playing in this last month? I don't think there's anything. It, any such thing as a upset in baseball in a one-game scenario. Um, anybody can beat anybody at any given time. Especially, it just all depends on what the starting pitcher does. You, you know, Wainwright can go out and throw eight innings and shut out baseball, or he can get shelled in the first. Um, I don't know if the Dodgers have announced who they're starting yet, but it's, it's the same situation. It doesn't matter. Baseball's just so finicky, man. No, it's, it's definitely not an upset in my mind. I'm saying Lewis has played fantastic baseball down the stretch. It's it's almost unfair to the Dodgers if they were to lose the game because they've earned the right. They have the second best record in baseball. Um, they've earned the right to be, you know, a team that has to be beaten more than just once to be bounced out of the playoff. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it, I think you know St. Louis can definitely win that game, and it's not really an upset. Well, I remember one time, and my father always told me uh, the same thing that Frank Robinson used to say we've spent 162 games uh, telling everybody how good we are, showing everybody how good we are, and now we have to to uh, reestablish that in a three out of five series. And, Blake, I remember back to the – I know you don't remember this, but that, back to the 1973 season for the Cincinnati Reds, they finished the year with a record of 99-63 and 63 and went into the playoffs against the New York Mets, who just barely – won 83 games that year and just barely won the division with an aging Willie Mays in center field for them. And the Mets ended up beating the Reds in five games to win that series. And and the Reds were by far the better team, but the Mets just got hot at the right time and eventually took the Oakland A's to seven games in that World Series. So, yeah, I mean, you could look at baseball. You're absolutely right. There are no upsets. It all depends on what you do that day. Yeah, and and that's why they they always say the ultimate momentum for in the playoffs for baseball is who's pitching the next day, right? It's not what happens today doesn't matter that much um, because whoever's pitching tomorrow can either stop or start your momentum all over again. 
now there's something to be said for teams that are playing really well and seeing the ball really well and all that stuff. But, you know, the team could score 17 runs one game and get no hit the next. So, it, it, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, baseball is that way. It's great for that reason. Um, but it's also kind of annoying that it's not always the best team that wins it all. You would like to be a true champion, the best team to win it. But it, it's just hard, man. And, and you look at the playoffs. If the Dodgers do beat the the St. Louis Cardinals to move into that second round, I think they immediately become the favorite to win a World Series again. Um, they have the best team. They might not have had the best regular season. The Giants did, but they have a better baseball team. They have better starting pitching. They have better position players. They just have more guys. Um, so it's, it's kind of a funny thing with baseball, the way it works like that. Uh, so you just kind of got to wait and see, and that's what's fun about it. I mean, you go back to 90, no one gave the Reds a shot to beat the Oakland A's. Um, and they, they did, right? They swept them. So it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, one of the big question marks that the, the Indians slash Guardians are going to have for next year uh, is the return of Josh Naylor, who broke his leg. Is he going to return? When will he return? Uh, if he returns and when he returns, will he be the same player that he was, that the Indians uh, thought he would be, and how he was playing at that particular moment? Um, the other thing, though, is, Blake, when you look at that question mark for the Indians, what do you think besides the Castellanos signing, what's the biggest question mark that the Reds have going into next year as far as just one particular player? If I have to pick out one player or position, it's probably – it's so hard for me to pick out one. I'd probably say, based on what they currently have on the roster, um, is who's going to play third base. And if it's Suarez, can you move Moustakas? And if it's Moustakas, can you move Suarez? Um, because one of those dudes needs to not be with the Cincinnati Reds next year. Um, and I don't know what you'll get for either of them. I think if I'm running the Reds, if I'm Nick Crawl, I put out feelers on both guys and get the best package you can and move on. Because I don't think either one is that much better than the other to where I can't be happy with either one of them playing third base. Um, outside of that question, it's probably shortstop. And do you believe Kyle Farmer is your guy next year or are you going to go out and try to get somebody? I read an article this weekend where it said Kyle Farmer had a great year, but Barrios has to be the starter next year. How do you feel about that? It depends. I mean, I think I think he, sh- he probably should be, but every chance he's got at the major league level, he hasn't hit. Um, he, he's got all the tools. He's the one of the top fielding shortstops in all of minor league baseball. He can flat out pick it. Um, and I think if it was on this team this year with the offense that they were capable of putting out there when healthy, when you have Castellanos and Winker and Votto and Suarez or Moustakas in the lineup in India, um, I think you can live with a guy like Jose Barrios. But if they're going to take a step back offensively, which if you lose Nick Castellanos and don't replace him with a legitimate big league hitter, um, you're going to take a step back. So I think... I don't know that I love that idea if, if they can't add some offense at other positions. You know, in, in my opinion, Blake, and I'm looking at the careers these guys had, and when you're comparing Suarez and Mustakas, this is just my opinion, I think you've got to try to keep Suarez and trade Mustakas. And my only fallback on that is why is because Mustakas is so injury prone. 
if you if he could guarantee you he was going to play 145 to 150 games a year, I'd say, okay, let's go with Moustakas and try to deal Suarez. But Suarez is the guy that has proven that he's going to play that amount of games for you. But can he hit the ball anymore? That's the question. I mean, and in limited time, Suarez still ended up the year with 29 home runs. How many teams around baseball would trade for 29 home runs right now? Oh, the, the, um, the Indians. <laughs> that's what I'm. Th- that's why I'm thinking like, as much as I agree, I agree with that statement. I think Suarez is the guy you move because I think he's the guy that's more marketable as a moving piece. That power plays. And Eugenio Suarez can hit it out of any park, Great American Ballpark or Yellowstone Park. It doesn't matter. He has got monster, monster, monster power. Um, and he's younger, and his contract is a little more team-friendly. The, the, the real question I have with that, if I, if I keep Moustakis and I trade Suarez, is where do the Reds get right-handed, right-handed production from? Um, you, I mean, you hope Tyler Stevenson takes a step forward. India has pretty much solidified himself, but he's a leadoff type guy. He's a two-hole hitter. Yeah. He is not a huge power guy. He's a really good baseball player, but he's not a, a run-producing guy in the middle of the order. So if you go into next year, and your big run producers are Votto and Winker, and that's really good, um, they're both left-handed. You'll have the same problem. And then you add, if Moustakis is your third guy, he's also left-handed. So you go into a, a game against, you know, if the Reds were playing a one-game playoff with the Dodgers, this week, and they saw Clayton Kershaw, and they ran Alvado, Winker, and Moustakis. Well, those are your three middle of the order guys, and Kershaw's going to chew them up all game. So I, I, I just think if the Reds are going to lose Castellanos, and they got to try to keep Suarez, and I love the idea of moving Moustakis, and they've got to find a way to add a right handed back. Um, and I don't know that Jose Barrios is the guy that can that can do that for them. You know, the, you add Naquin into that as well. Naquin's under contract for another year. Guess what? He is left-handed. You don't have a center fielder on the roster, so there's another spot they can get better. Um, you know, we all wish that Dick Sentel was that guy, but he just has yet to stay on the field long enough to become that guy. So it, it, it's a lot of questions, and I, I the reason I think I agree mostly with you about the new stock as far as thing is the fact that Suarez is right-handed. But I also argue the other way that I think Suarez will get you a better return. Well, let me ask you this. We brought up Michael Conforto earlier in the broadcast. Do you think, if you lose Castellanos, that's $16.5 million. Is Conforto going to be satisfied with $16 million a year? I mean, I think he should be. He's not. If he thinks he's going to get the same amount of money that uh, Nick Castellanos is going to get, he's crazy. I mean, if Castellanos gets 22, then guess what Michael Conforto is a $16 to $18 million a year player. He's just not as good. Um, he's had good years and he's been a solid baseball player. He's not as good as Nick Castellanos. So I think he has to be okay with that, you know, still a lot of money, but it's not the top, top tier free agent, uh, contract. You know, one of the things that, one of the question marks that the Indians have is what to do with Ahmed Rosario. Um, he's not a major league shortstop. That, that's a given. Um, but he is an outstanding hitter. Ended up hitting 280. Uh, really had an excellent second half of the season for the team. Um, my feeling is you could move him to second base. Um, now, Yu Chang played a lot of shortstop during the last couple weeks of the season, 
and he looked he looked extremely good there at shortstop, which is a position that he started out with the organization playing. Um, they've got their center fielder. I think they've got to go out and find a corner outfielder that can hit for some power. Um, but when you look at this, I don't think Amid Rosario is going to be moved to the outfield. I think if you're going to put him anywhere, you're probably going to put him at second base or maybe put him at third base and move Ramirez back to his more natural position at second base. And then that brings up the question, what do you do with Ernie Clement? Which, as you know, I'm extremely high on this kid. So there's a lot of question marks there as to what the Indians are going to do. And that's my biggest question mark, is to what are they going to do with Ahmed Rosario? On the other side of the coin, though, Blake, when you look at the Reds, one of the question marks I have from the outside looking in is what are they going to do about Nick Senzel? What can they do? What do you think their plans are for him? I have no idea what their plans are for him, and I have no idea what they can do with him. Um, I think in reality your hands are kind of tied because he does not have the the draw that he would have had a couple years ago as a trade chip. Um, he is, you know, when he's up, he's been fine. He has not shown what he what we thought he would, and he's hurt way too much. Um, now, when he's out there, he can flat out play center field. He's a good second baseman. He can play third. He can play a corner outfield. And I actually think he could play short, too. Um, but you just don't know. There's so much unknown. It's a lot. We talk about this a lot with what the Indians are rolling out there. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that you just don't – we like them. We're excited about them, but you don't know what they are. You won't know until Nick Senzel can play 140 games in a baseball season, which he's yet to do. Um, so I, I don't think there's much they can do with him, and I don't know what they would do if they could. I think the intention will probably be, if they can't bring in a center fielder, um, that Nick Senzel will probably be the opening day center fielder again next year. I think you have to go in with that because he's the best option on the current roster. Um, he's really the only center fielder on the roster going forward. As, as long as, you know, as soon as the line of the shields is gone and, and, um, and I think they kind of set the bar that Akiyama's not that guy. So I think Senzel, if they can't bring in somebody from the outside like a Starling Marte or something like that, then I think it has to be Senzel's job. You know, we talked a little bit ago about the Indians trade piece. Um, do the Reds have a trade piece? I mean, they've got a lot of guys. At the minor league level, they're really coveted. I don't know if they wanted to go out and get a top tier trade. They have the pieces to do it. Um, I don't know who you waste that on. Like if you wanted to move Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo or Austin Hendrick or any of those guys, the top end of their, of their, uh, of their, of their, you know, minor league system. I think you could get almost anything back. I, I don't know that there's a trade out there outside of Mike Trout or Mookie Betts that, that wouldn't be thought of when Hunter Green's name was brought up. Um, so I think that they could do something. I don't think they will, um, but they definitely could. The other the other piece that the Reds got to figure out, too, is what they're going to do with Tucker Barnhart. Um, Tucker Barnhart, I think he's going to make 7 or $8 million next year. Um, or, you know, he's got like a $500,000 buyout. So the idea that, you know, I love Tucker. Tucker's been one of my favorite Reds for, you know, a few years. But, you know, Tyler Stevenson's got to play 130 games next year. 
Like, you just have to. Um, and you can't pay Tucker Barnhart $8 million a year to catch, you know, 35, 40 games. You just can't right. do it if you're the Reds. So they, they're probably, my guess is they're going to buy out Tucker Barnhart and let him become a free agent. Which doesn't preclude him from coming back to the Reds, but the, the way Tucker plays, he, good teams in baseball will be all over Tucker Barnhart because of how good he is behind the plate, how good he is at calling a game, and pitchers love him. And he's good enough offensively to where he's not a complete zero like most defensive catchers are. Um, so I think Tucker will probably see his time in a Reds uniform as well. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that because we did see that the Reds started to play Stevenson in left field for a few games during the last two or three weeks of the season. He wasn't a stalwart out there, Blake, but he didn't embarrass himself. No, he absolutely didn't, but he, he needs to be – if he's not going to be behind the plate, his future is not in left field. It's at first base. Right. Um, he's not a long-term solution in left field by any stretch of the imagination. Can he go out there and be athletic enough? Sure. Um, but he's a catcher. He needs a catch or play first base. Um, and he's not going to play first base as long as Joey Votto's not hurt. So, Blake, all year long I expected the Reds to fire David Bell, and then they surprised everybody and gave him a two-year contract extension. In your mind, looking at David Bell, what were his attributes to the job? What did he bring that was good to the job? And what are the the uh, negatives that he brings to the managerial position? Uh, I think his positive and negative are basically the same thing. I think that he is very steady. He is, you know, he is a pro. He is, you know, always the same guy, He's always even-keeled. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Um, he, you know, he's always the same dude, whereas I think that's a negative, too. Um, he doesn't have the ability he hasn't shown the ability anyway. I won't say he doesn't have it because, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't. But to light somebody up, um, to flat out come out and say, look, you're just not playing good enough. But he's made tough decisions. He just never publicly talked about them. Like going, basically taking Amir Gary and taking him as the 15th reliever on the team. Um, he's on the team all year, but he didn't pitch in any high leverage situation. When Joey Votto was going really bad last year, he benched him for three games. Like, that's not an easy thing for a manager to do. Um, so I, I, he's just he's just too much of a – he's just really too bland for me. Um, he's just too blah. He's just there. He doesn't do anything positively or negatively to impact me or the game in my eyes. That being said, the dude seemed to love it. Um, you know, Nick Cassiano talked about it after the game yesterday. He talked to – they call him DBs. The DB put me out there the last few games. Probably didn't have to, but he let me play. I wanted to get the 100th RBI. I really appreciate it. Like, they really liked that guy. Um, so there's definitely something to be said for players appreciating and liking the manager, especially in today's game, because, you know, the old days of you definitely, but when I was a kid, where there was a little bit of fear in the manager and a little bit of what's this guy going to do, that shit just doesn't exist anymore. There are no Lou Pinellas anymore. Um so, you know, I wish David Bell had a little more of that in him, but the players seem to get to, to dig him, and I guess that's the most important thing. You know, the closest thing I think we have to Lou Pinella anymore is Derek Shelton in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I think he's the closest closest guy that comes to it. I, I agree, and, and that's that's kind of saying something, and they're terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's that way because he's tired of getting, getting his head kicked in, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as the Indians are 
you know, when you look at what they're doing, Terry Francona didn't didn't manage the last half of the season. DeMarco Hale did. Um, Hale did a fine job. I, I, I think, in my mind, Blake, I think there was a lot of conversations going on between Francona and Hale. Francona's health seems to be on the upswing. Uh, he had the hip surgery to replace his hip. Uh, he had a, a foot problem. They did the surgery on that. That appears to be good. He's given all indications that he is coming back next year, which I think is a good move uh, for the Guardians. I guess I've got to get used to calling them that. Um, but, you know, that that's the one thing. I mean, Terry Francona, as opposed to what David Bell is, um, if he wants that job, that's his job. He's not going anywhere. The Indians aren't going to let him go anywhere. Um, he's he is the manager of the Indians for as long as he wants that position. He's not going anywhere else. Uh, he is the manager of the Cleveland Guardians, and I think that is just a, a foregone conclusion. But here here's the the final question that I want to ask you. Um, well, before I get into that, I've got one other thing that I want I want to ask you because it came out this weekend. Marty Brenneman again. Somebody better take his Twitter account away from him. Um, came out and said David Bell, and I'm paraphrasing here. David Bell announced himself that he had received a two-year contract extension. Nobody from the front office said anything about it, and there was not a release from the team. Do you read anything into that? No. I I don't, I don't either. I, I, no, they wouldn't have let him go in front of people and say that if that was the case. They would have come out and said otherwise. Um, just because they didn't put out a release, that doesn't mean anything. Um, if David Bell went out in front of cameras and said, I got a two-year extension, and he didn't, we would know it by now. Yeah, I agree. Okay, final question on both teams. Do you expect, and you could you could define this any way you want, do you expect a blockbuster move to be made by the Reds in the offseason? No. Um, I think they need one, but I don't think they will. Um, I think they kind of... I, 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 it's weird to say, too, because, you know, I didn't think they would do the ones they did a couple years ago when they brought in Moustakas and Castellanos. So, you know, from as a Reds fan, they've never done things like that. That being said, you know, Joey comes out and says that he thinks they need to come. Uh, what's the word he uses? Is, uh, I don't remember exactly his wording is to take advantage of this kind of young core being pretty good and find pieces to add to it. Um, and I think he's right. I just don't have the faith in that front office and that team to do what needs to be done. Um, I just I have no reason to have that faith. They've never shown the ability to do it. Well, when it's, when they need to. Um, the last time they really made moves that, that impacted on the field as much as they did is probably the year they traded for Shinsu Chu and traded for Matt Latos, which I think was like, that was years ago at this point. I mean, yeah. I was like 20, that was 2009, think, 2010. I, I mean, it was almost a decade ago. Yeah, I think that was um, in 2010. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and that, that produced results and I just don't see, them doing those things this year. Because um, even in the moment, Shinsu Chu was a really good player, but nobody expected him to have the impact he did with the Reds. Um, so 
no, I don't think they will, but I definitely think they should. As far as the Guardians are concerned, Blake, I think there will be a blockbuster move, and by that I want to define it as there will be a pitcher on the Indians, and it will not be Savali, it will not be Bieber, but there will be a pitcher that the Indians will trade for something in a deal this winter. My gut feeling tells me it will be Zach Plezak that will be sent somewhere uh, to bring back a bona fide outfielder. Um, and I think he he's the guy, and, and maybe a few other pieces around it, but I'm just, you know, the skeleton of a deal would be Plezak for some sort of an outfielder with some others. Um, so I do think that the the Guardians are going to pull something off. Um, I think they definitely should. Um, we talk about this a bunch on the on the on the show. Is that they need to deal from that left that place of strength to add to their weaknesses. Yeah. The problem with the Reds doing something like that is they really don't have a strength right now. Um, the pitching staff is fine. The offense is fine. Neither of which can you really subtract from and get better. Um, you know. If I could see, I could. I'm more willing to see a world where the Reds rip it down than where they they go after it again. I could see a place where they trade Castillos, uh, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray, and those dudes, and rip it down to its bare studs and start over with India and Barrios and Stevenson as kind of the the leads to this next group. Um, I think that's more likely for the Reds to do that. Than it is the other way around. That being said, that would be a massive mistake for that organization because they've already kind of alienated a whole bunch of fans with the way they handled this year. If they did that right now, they're going to lose a ton of money. Let me ask you one other question. You brought this up. I'm going to ask you this off off the cuff. Do you see Hunter Green being on the staff as a starter next year? Not to start the year, no. Um to save think, the to save save the 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 uh, the time. I think it's I think it will be as much to save the time as it is to control winnings. Um, I think that they will keep him in the minors for you know the first month of the season, and it will look like they're trying to avoid that super two stuff. But I think that it's really just because you know he hit his innings limit early this year and missed some time. Um, so if they do end up being pretty good next year, and he's a part of that rotation. And he gets shut down with two weeks to go in the season. Yeah, you know you just can't you can't risk that. So I think they'll leave him in the minors, control his innings for a month, month and a half, and then bring him up. That he said he's got to show it. I think I still think Nick Lodolo is closer to being a every every time through the rotation big league starting pitcher um, for the Cincinnati Reds than Hunter Green is. Well, it, it's been what what what's the most disappointing facet of this year has been for you. I mean, I think it's the fact that what happened with the Reds was a lot of out of their control. Um, they started the season off with all the injuries with Michael Lorenzen and all that stuff. And then follow that up, you lose Senzel. Then you lose Moustakis for two months. Then you lose Votto for a month. Then you lose Cassiano for a month. Then you lose Winker for two months. You lose Antone for a long period of time. Comes back, throws one game, and he's gone again. Lorenzen comes back, plays one game, and he's gone again. Winker comes back, plays one game, and he's gone again. I think the Reds medical staff needs to all be fired and, and, and rethought of um, because it's a, that's a joke. 
the fact that three of your best players played one game after long stints on the disabled list to come to go right back on the disabled list means they weren't ready, um, or or you did something wrong in the rehab. So I think that is you know on the field players and managers, it it wasn't really in their control. And then you take into the fact what the the front office did going into the year with getting rid of Iglesias, not bringing back Archie Bradley, not adding a shortstop, not adding a center fielder, not really strengthening the club in any way, shape, or form. I think you can argue that they did in a roundabout way with adding Tyler Naquin, but nobody expected him to have the year he had. Um, so they really didn't get any better before the season, and then all the injuries made them really bad at times during the season. The fact that they didn't get to really decided on the field is probably the most uh, the most thing the thing that bothers me the most because I think when healthy the Reds have a team that is better than teams that are in the postseason right now. You know the the same thing for me. It's the injury factor. Um, when you look at the Indians, went through half of this season with a with three three fifths of their starting rotation off the ball club and Bieber, Savali, and Plezak. It just makes, and they still were only 12 games behind the White Sox. I mean, you take, for half the season, Blake, and, and I saw a stat about this, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I know I had it figured up in my head at that point in time. They would have still been in the running for the division, even as good as the White Sox were, had they had the three, pl- the, the three pitchers back the entire year, and still only won 50% of those games. That's how good the Indians pitching staff is and will be going into next year, at least on paper. And that's the one thing, even though we had all the problems with the hitting, the outfield, everything else, it's the pitching staff that the Indians really had decimated. But on the other hand, that's also what is going to be so much fun about next year because they've got seven guys right now, possibly eight, that you could say could move into a starting rotation next year anywhere on the major leagues. And that's why I'm saying I think you could see a Zach Plezak, uh be traded before the end of the year or before uh, the season begins next year. It's just going to be fun. And to be quite honest, I don't want to wish my life away, but I can't wait for March 31st. Yeah, I think one come come spring training next year and then the opening of the season, I will be saying the opposite. I will be saying this is going to be a miserable baseball season. Well, the Reds are going to open up with the Cubs here at Great American Ballpark on a Thursday afternoon. The Indians are going to open up at home under the new name of the Guardians, and that's going to be on a Thursday afternoon. You know, I miss the days, Blake. Where the Reds were the only team opening up. I missed oh, for those sure. Days. It's just, and now that you've been in Cincinnati for a while, you understand how how different it is here versus everywhere else. Opening day is just different in Cincinnati, um, and usually I would say that I think it's. I think as long as that freaking team continues to, to tear it down, I think it's going to lose a little bit of its luster, which is terrible. Because I can see a world where you know come. March 31st, and we're opening with the Cubs. The only names you recognize in the red lineup are Joey Votto. <laughs> and that could be. I mean, it, and as much as I hate to say it, I honestly think if you can't bring Cacciano's back and get a 
like player, then it might be time to rip it down and start over. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do during the offseason. Blake, it's been fun this year. Absolutely. All right. And we'll talk to you again next year. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Hey, we're going to – I don't gonna, know if I can stay Guardians all week. I don't know if I can do I don't that. know. I don't know if I can. You know, that's it, – it's going to be hard. Can you imagine broadcasting their games? I mean, being the play by yeah. Tom Hamilton's going to have a nightmare. Absolutely. I, you it's going to be great. Oh. That might be the most fun part of the whole thing. It might be, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Blake. It's been fun this year. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next time. Good day, All right, that's going to do it for this season of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Thanks a lot for joining us this year, and uh, hope that you'll join us again next year when the Indians are the Guardians and the Reds will stay the Reds. And that's the way it'll be. So that, that's going to do it for us this year. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody.